0: The Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndyke by R. Austin Freeman. Thorndyke is the original fictional forensic detective from the early 1900s, using science to aid the art of detection to bring criminals to justice. This time, presenting the Stranger's Latchkey.
1: Doctor Jervis, I really appreciate you coming down for such a long stay.
2: My pleasure, Mrs. Henshaw.
1: My husband has been looking forward to this fishing vacation in Norway for months. I can't tell you how delighted he was that you were able to come. He said... If I could just choose anyone to care for my patients, it would be my dear friend, Jervis.
3: (laughs) Isn't that right, Mabel? Yes, Jane. My brother has often talked of you, Dr. Jervis. It's a pleasure to meet you. Good morning, Aunt Mabel. Good morning, Lucy. I see you've brought my little Freddy down with you. Thank you, dear. You're welcome, aunt. Dr. Jervis, I believe you've met my niece, Lucy Haldane, My late husband's niece, actually.
2: Yes. Good morning. It's quite
1: like old times to have you visiting. But what does Dr. Thorndike think of your visit here? You are leaving the advanced field of forensic science in order to diagnose coughs and such.
2: (laughs) He's quite insistent I come said he thinks it might be useful to study the application of medico-legal methods in general practice.
4: That sounds rather unpleasant. For the patients, I mean. And most cold-blooded. What sort of
3: man is Dr. Thorndike? He is human, isn't he?
2: Oh, naturally. Why, oh, just imagine if he crawled on all fours instead of walked. That would be scandalous.
4: Lucy, what are you going to do with yourself this morning? I think I shall sketch that group of birches at the edge of Bradham Wood.
2: I've got a patient to see in Bradham. I can carry your easel and other things for you if you would like.
4: He's simply making the
3: most of his time, Jane. When Lucy's fiancée, Douglas Winter, arrives, he won't stand a chance.
2: A chance for what? I'm married. Lucy,
4: how is Mr. Winter? He hasn't made his fortune yet, has he? No, ma'am. We're still waiting for there to be enough money between us to finally marry.
2: Sorry to interrupt, Miss Lucy, but I just saw a patient come up the walk. I shouldn't be more than half an hour. Then I can carry your things for you.
4: Freddy, stay close to me.
2: He's quite adventurous.
4: He certainly is.
2: We've been on the road to Bradham for some time. Where would you like to stop and work on your paintings?
4: Just off the road to the left there, at the edge of the wood. Not very far from the house of the mysterious stranger.
2: What house do you mean?
4: There really isn't a mystery at all. The house is called Lavender Cottage and it stands alone in the fields behind the wood.
2: I thought it would be something a bit more... interesting.
4: It was rented out a fortnight ago to a stranger named Whitelock. I hear he's studying the local botany, but no one has ever seen him, not even to buy food. So, it's really quite curious. Now, go ahead and call me a gossiping country bumpkin.
2: I was going to, but uh, there seems really no use in saying it now.
4: Why, Dr. Jervis, just give me my easel, bag and sketchbook and go on your merry way. <laughs> Come along, Freddy. Bring that camp stool like a good little man.
2: <laughs> Have a pleasant morning, Miss Halden. I'm very sorry to keep luncheon waiting, Mrs. Henshaw. My rounds in Bradham took longer than I anticipated.
1: That's quite all right. We haven't started.
3: Have you seen Lucy, Dr. Jervis?
2: She hasn't returned. When I passed the woods a few minutes ago, she had gone already. I expected to find her here.
3: It's very strange and very thoughtless of her. Reddy will be famished. Please
1: have a seat, Dr. Jervis. I'm sure they will turn up. We might as well start
3: our luncheon.
2: Mrs. Hunshaw, this meal was delightful. Thank
3: you, Doctor. It's been too long. I'm going to find Lucy and Freddy. But Mabel, dear, how will you go about doing that? It's such a
4: large. Good God, Lucy! What has happened? And where is Freddy? He's lost. He strayed away while I was painting. I've searched the woods and called to him and looked in all the meadows. Where could he have gone? And you dare to come back without him? I was getting exhausted. I came back for help. Of course she
1: was exhausted. The little man is safe enough, Mabel. We'll find him presently or he'll come home by himself. Come and have some food, Lucy. I, I can't, Jane.
3: Really, I-, I can't. Lucy, you must come with me immediately and show me where you lost him.
2: She's much too distraught, Mrs. Haldine. but I know the place. I'll cycle up with you.
3: Very well. That will do just as well, I suppose. Now, Lucy, what time was it when you lost the child, and and which way? What is that on your dress, Lucy? Oh, what have you done to my boy? What are you talking about, Mabel? All over the front of her skirt and on her sleeve... Uh
4: it, it 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 look it looks like like blood yes uh, of course of course he str- he struck his nose and and it bled, dr
3: Jervis, we must go. I need to find my freddy i f- I feel so
4: faint, doctor Jervis
2: go lay on the sofa and try to get some rest. I'll have Mrs. Handharck close the shades for you
4: uh, all right,
2: I'll go up with Mrs. Halley and help her look. I can only stay with her about a half an hour before I have to continue on to Rebworth to see two patients. Mrs. Haldine!
3: You certainly took your time getting here, Dr. Jervis.
2: I'm a doctor, ma'am. I need to attend to my patients.
3: Is this the place? Yes. Ready? Ready, boy! Mummy's here, darling. Ready! Come to Mummy!
2: Mrs. Halding, over here! Have you found him, Dr. Jervis? I'm afraid not, but look here. There's fresh prints all along this footpath, leading through the woods.
3: We need to follow them!
2: Just a moment. I see them. There it is. Certainly! What is it? What's wrong? Just up ahead. Those footprints belonging to Miss Halding.
3: Don't speak of her in front of me, Doctor! How can you tell?
2: She was wearing a pair of golf boots with rubber pads in the leather soles. Better traction for a walk in the woods, you know. These prints appear to be the same.
3: We need to follow them. I need to find out what she did to my Freddy.
2: You are very unjust to your niece, Mrs. Haldine.
3: You don't understand. You don't know how terrible this is. If my poor Freddy really is dead... You see, would be a rich woman and could marry that Mr. Winter tomorrow if she chooses.
2: I didn't know that, ma'am, but even if I had, I should have said the same thing.
1: Have you any luck, Dr.
3: Jervis? Is there any sign of little Freddy? We found a gypsy encampment. They've just left, Jane. Lucy might have sold him to them. What?
2: The gypsies have only been gone for an hour or two, Mrs. Hanshaw. It's best to have someone follow them post-haste. Perhaps the boy wandered into their company. Gypsies are known for kidnapping children.
1: What do you plan to do now, Mabel? I'm going to keep searching.
2: I have to leave now, but I presume Mrs. Hanshaw has come up to help you look.
3: Yes, I have. You'll make inquiries about the gypsies, won't you, Dr. Jervis? Of course I shall.
2: The first moment I can, I'll send a constable down to investigate. Until then, I must get going. My patients are waiting.
5: And that's what I mean. Thorndyke! What on earth brought you here? Oh, hello, Jervis. Uh, Just a moment. I'll I'll stop by later, Inspector. Have a good evening. Uh, Evening, doctors. What are you doing here, Thorndyke? The ultimate motivating force was an impulsive lady named Mrs. Halden. She telegraphed for me in your name. She oughtn't have done that. Mm, Perhaps not, but the ethics of an agitated woman are not worth discussing. And she's done something much worse. She's applied to the local justice of the peace, who has just issued a warrant for the arrest of Lucy Halden on the charge of murder.
2: But there hasn't been
5: a murder! That is a legal subtlety he does not appreciate. Was that the Justice of the Peace who just laughed? No, no, just the local inspector. He seemed quite relieved when I told him the warrant is irregular. You simply cannot arrest people for hypothetical crimes. I know that. This is a grim business, Jervis. That boy has got to be found for everybody's sake. Can you come with me to look around after you've had some food? Of course I can. I've been saving all my energy this afternoon with the intent of continuing the search. Good. Let's eat and get back out there to find him. Miss Lucy.
4: Oh, come in, Dr. Jervis.
2: How are you feeling?
4: Terrible. Jane has been so sweet to me, Dr. Jervis, but Aunt Mabel thinks I've killed little Freddy. It was my fault he got lost I'll never forgive myself.
2: Don't take this nonsense to heart. Your aunt is not responsible for what she says right now. When we find the boy and bring him home, she'll make a handsome apology to you. I'll see to that. Thank you. Now you get some more rest, and I'll be getting along.
4: Ah, oh,
1: there you are, Doctor Jervis. I've got a light tea set for you and Doctor Thorndyke.
5: Thank you, Mrs. Henshaw. Oh, hello, Thorndyke. Uh, much obliged, Mrs. Henshaw. We'll only be staying a moment, just long enough to eat a slice of this delightful-looking pie.
1: How's poor Lucy?
5: Not
2: too well, Mrs. Henshaw. She's nearly half mad with regret. I've told her to get some rest and not to fret about it, but I don't think she heard me.
1: I'll keep an eye on her. Mabel is still out with Giles searching for the boy. It's dreadful accusing her own niece of murder.
2: I've said as much to Miss Haldine.
1: And you need not worry about the practice. Oh? Dr. Simons heard of our trouble and offered to take anything that turns up. <clears throat>
5: that was delicious, Mrs. Henshaw. Finished already? Yes, ma'am. I'll go around back and fetch our bicycles, Jervis, and meet you out front in a few minutes. Good evening, Mrs. Henshaw.
1: Like I said, you don't have to worry about calling on any patients for now.
2: Thank him for me, please. Ah, now that you've met Dr. Thorndyke, how do you like him? He's
1: quite charming. So tactful and kind. And so handsome, too. You didn't tell us that.
5: (coughs) I uh, should be going now. Come along, Jervis. We're all set to go. I see you've brought your travel case. How do you expect to carry it? We've attached a strong bracket to the bicycle frame, so it should hold all right. And besides, I've covered it in canvas. By the way, have you heard
2: anything about Miss Halden's financial interest in the child's death?
5: Yes, Mrs. Hanshaw is quite talkative. Uh, the late Mr. Halden left almost the whole of his property, about 80,000 pounds, to his son, with the widow to have life interest in it. He also left his late brother's daughter, Lucy, fifty pounds a year, and then to his surviving brother, Percy, a good-for-nothing scoundrel, a total of one hundred per year for life. That doesn't seem so bad. Ah, but here's the utter folly of the thing, Jervis. If the son should die, the property was to be equally divided between the brother and the niece, with the exception of five hundred pounds a year for life to the widow. That's an insane
2: agreement! And a very dangerous one for Lucy Haldine, the way things are now.
5: Ah, very much so, especially if anything has happened to the child. What are you
2: going to do now?
5: Oh, there's a footpath through the wood. I want to examine that. and There's a house behind the wood which I would like to see. The house of the mysterious stranger? <laughs> Precisely. Mysterious and solitary strangers always invite inquiry.
2: After you, my dear friend.
5: Ah, good. The ground is soft, and the rain yesterday made the mud along this trail perfect for impressions. See how sharp and clear our footprints are? Yes. Well, let's walk alongside the path so we don't confuse our footprints with those we intend to find.
2: I was thinking the same thing, Thorndyke. Look, just up ahead. Those are Miss Haldin's footprints.
5: Yes, running in alone. And over there are tracks left by Mrs. Haldin.
2: Somewhere around here, I joined them as well.
5: Ah, yes, up ahead.
2: The boy doesn't seem to have crossed the path at all.
5: Mm, yes. we, sh- we shall know more when we have examined the entire path. Ah, here's something new. What have you found, Thorndyke? A man with a stick passed through here. Take a look, Jervis. That's a large stick he's using. Do you suppose he's lame? Uh, of course he is. Notice the difference between the two feet and the peculiar way he uses his stick. He's a smallish man, but there's a great deal to interest us in these footprints. Do you notice anything odd about them, Jervis? Nothing at all, Thorndyke. What do you mean? Ah, the footprints themselves are quite interesting, but we'll discuss that later. Notice that this man came down the path, and right here he turned off into the woods, then he came back from the wood and returned down the path. Yes, I can see that. Well, just look at them, Jervis. Compare the two sets of prints. Don't you notice any difference?
2: Yes. Yes, I see now. The return footprints seem more distinct.
5: Better impressions, that that is. Well, that too. The second set is considerably deeper. No, I was hoping you had noticed the stride. Here, hold my jacket for me. Certainly. Thorndyke. do you always carry a retractable tape measurer with you? <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, see there, Jervis, the stride is different. The first set of prints have a stride of 21 inches from heel to heel. That's, that's quite short, but he is a smallish man and lame as well.
2: I presume the other stride measures different, then. Uh,
5: let me see. Uh, n- Nineteen and a half inches.
2: The returning footprints are deeper.
5: Uh-huh. Ah, the steps are shorter. That suggests he was carrying something with him when he returned. Exactly. And it had to be something heavy to make such a difference. Hmm. I'd like to go now, and uh, let's get our bicycles. Are we going to bicycle through the woods? Uh, No, I need the supplies from my case. Uh, Let's follow these footprints. I want to see where our friend went when he left the path and what burden he was carrying.
2: We've been following these double tracks for some time, Thorndyke.
5: Do you think... Wait. Look up ahead. Oh, I see. A third row of footprints joins the other two. Quite small in size and much closer together.
2: Do you suppose they're
5: the child's? Let me measure them quickly. Eleven and a half inches to the stride. It's the boy, Jervis. The sun is starting to set and we'll lose the tracks in the dark if we don't hurry. The man's footprints stop up ahead. Yes, but the child keeps going. Uh, we need to follow him. I'm certain that these prints belong to the child, but I should like to find a clear impression to make the identification absolutely certain. Ah, there it is. You
2: found a clear impression of the boy's shoe?
5: Yes, he has an identical pair at home, and I took the liberty of borrowing one of them. I'll make another impression in the soft dirt, and there... An exact match! Ah, we need to take a look at that cottage, Jervis.
2: There's the cottage up ahead.
5: No one's answering. There's a key in the lock so we can get in if we want to. I'll try the back door. The back door is locked too. The key is missing so he must have let himself out this way. But he certainly came in the front. No doubt to that. I'll need your help, Jervis. We need to check back here for footprints and anything else we can discover and then we'll have to enter through the front door. Here we are, and we're just ready to have a look inside the cottage. Ah, there we go. After you, Jervis.
2: Oh, dear. There's barely enough here to live on. I don't think Mr. Whitlock planned to stay very long. That's odd. The only thing on this table is a disassembled clock and a boxwood bird call.
5: What do you make of it, Thorndyke? Yes, that does make sense. <clears throat> Good observation, Jervis. There's nothing distinctive or personal in this room or the kitchen. Then let's check upstairs.
2: There are three rooms, Thorndyke. Uh, good. We'll we'll check each one. Those two are quite close together. You look in there. Empty. Nothing but an open window. Same
5: thing in the other room. Any luck there, Thorndyke? Uh, someone was here. There's water in the wash basin and the bed is unmade. The inside bed sheets are filthy at the head and feet, although the rest is not all that dirty. How would the head of the bed be filthy? Uh, Hair-dye, perhaps? Come look out this window, Jervis, and tell me what you see.
2: There's the place Miss Haldine was sketching. I had no idea this cottage stood so high. You can see the entire country from here,
5: except the woods, of course. He's probably been watching through a telescope or field glasses. But there's not much of interest in the room. There was a trunk that stood under the window. He shaved this morning, too, I see. It's amazing you can see things that I cannot... Oh, don't be silly, Jervis. Anyone can see there's stubble on the table under the mirror. (laughs) And that's all there is. Wait, wait, though. There's a key hanging on that nail. He must have overlooked it. Perhaps it goes to the back door. Uh, No, it's just an ordinary town latch key. What are you doing?
2: Are you looking for something inside the key? It is hollow, although it's a regular skeleton key. Perhaps something was stuck inside? Ah,
5: indeed there was. It's only pocket lint. Uh, We'll see about that. I suppose we mustn't take the key away, but perhaps, Jervis, you could make a wax mold of it. I'll go downstairs. I need to get some of the things that are in my case. Hold that carbide lamp a little higher, would you, Jervis? Of course. Uh, I'm dusting for fingerprints here. Uh, Aha! Look at that, Jervis. A full handprint of a child. Ah, very good. Is there anything else I can help you with? Uh, Yes. Uh, Pull out my portable microscope and set it on the table, would you please? Uh, I'll need some glass slides and cover slips as well. That's the lint from inside the key. Yes, and it shouldn't take long to discover what the fibers are made of. Hmm, let me look here. Wool fibers, not cotton or linen, so he's apparently quite careful of his health. Uh, and, and two hairs. Oh, very curious ones they are at that. Why is that?
2: Well, take a look for yourself. They used to be white, but they've been dyed somehow, and... Oh, the root bulbs are very shriveled up. But how on earth did the hair get into his pocket...
5: Ah, the hairs themselves tell you that when you take into account the other oddities. The hair dye is obviously lead sulfide. There are a few particles of a white metal and some fragments of woody fiber and starch granules. It appears that all the starch granules are the same. Yes, that's what I was, uh, Oh, Mrs. Halden!
4: i
3: heard that you had come here, Dr. Thorndike. I thought you were searching for my poor Freddy. But here you are, amusing yourselves with these nonsensical instruments. Now, Mabel, be considerate.
1: Perhaps it would be wiser to ask if Dr. Thorndyke has any news for us.
2: Ah, uh, that's quite so,
5: Mrs. Halden. Uh, doctor? Uh, very well, my good police inspector. All that we know is this. The child was abducted by the man who occupied this house. What? The man watched from the upstairs window and eventually lured the child into the wood, probably using this bird call. He set the boy at the table and gave him this clock to amuse himself while the man packed his belongings into his car. And then they drove away. An automobile? Do you have proof? We found tracks behind the cottage.
3: You know he's gone? And and, and you're just sitting here playing with these ridiculous toys. Why are you not following him?
5: We've only just figured it out and would be on the road by now if you hadn't interrupted us. But you don't have a description of the man. On the contrary, we have his footprints and some fluff out of the barrel of his latchkey. Fluff? From these, I conclude he is rather short and thin and somewhat lame. He walks with the aid of a thick stick, which has a knob instead of a crook that he carries in his left hand. Really? And I think his left leg has been amputated above the knee and that he wears an artificial limb. He's elderly, shaves his beard, has white hair dyed a grayish black partially bald and probably combs a wisp of hair over the bald place. He takes snuff and carries a leaden comb in his pocket. Well, I'll be.
3: Oh, Jane, it's Percy, my brother-in-law. He's described him exactly, even to his stick and pocket comb, but I thought he was in Chicago.
5: Then we'd better start at once.
3: Dr. Thorndyke,
1: we've got the dog cart waiting in the road at the end of the path.
5: Uh, thank you, but Jervis and I will ride our bicycles. The Inspector, can you join us as well? Come along, Mabel. Inspector, with your permission, we'll take this latch key with us. It's hardly legal, sir, and we have no authority. Of course it's illegal, but it's also quite necessary, and necessity knows no law. So, the key? <laughs> What key? <laughs> Jervis, while I pack up my instruments, you need to light the bicycle lamps. It's quite dark out, but we can't wait for morning. Dr. Jervis, how does he know the man is bald? Was it the
2: footprints or the latchkey? The fluff from the latchkey had some hair in it, and the shriveled ends of the hair proved he was bald. But enough talking. We need to catch up with that man. <sighs> I understand the comb and everything, Thorndyke. But what made you say he used a knob-walking stick and had an artificial
5: leg? The metal cap at the bottom of the walking stick is worn evenly all the way around. A stick with a crook would only wear on one side, the side opposite of the crook. And the leg? An artificial leg has its own distinct impression, but I'll show you that another time. Now, a leg attached below the knee is quite secure, but one above the knee uses a spring joint that is considerably less reliable. He was supporting himself with his stick on the same side, so he evidently distrusted his knee joint. That seems so obvious when you explain it. And those particles in his pocket, the wood fiber and starch granules, were disintegrated snuff grains. How far have we got to ride, back. I studied the tire tracks of the car, and we'll follow them until we find the boy. Well, why are we stopping? I've lost the tire tracks, but he's got to be here somewhere. Maybe someone here has seen him. Ah, that must be the blacksmith's wife. You're just the woman I wanted to see.
3: We're closing for the night, mister.
5: No, no, no. I've I've only mislaid the address of a friend of mine, and I think he may have called on you or your husband this afternoon. A lame gentleman who walks with a stick. I expect he wanted you or your husband to pick a lock or make a key for him.
3: Oh, I remember him. Yes, yes. He lost his latch key and wanted the lock pick so he can get into his house.
2: Uh, where does he live? We've come a long distance and it's really quite embarrassing.
3: I'll say it is. Fortunately, gentlemen, he lives on the next street over, at the far end.
5: How did you know? A lucky guess. I saw a partial footprint in the mud.
2: Here it is, doctors. How do we get in? It's a very high wall. You forget,
5: I have a key to something, and I'm fairly certain that it's going to open the door in this wall. What if the front door is locked too? How foolish. The same lock for both the gate and the house.
1: Hello there. Who's that below?
2: Mr. Percy Haldane? quick, follow me up the stairs.
1: No, you don't. Another step and I shoot one of you. I'm a damn good shot, so it's your choice.
2: Now, what's the good of this, Mr. Haldin? The game's up and you know it.
1: You clear out of my house and clear out Sharp, or you'll give me the trouble of burying you in the garden.
2: Thorndyke, do you think? Thorndyke? Ah, well, he's probably sneaked away to fetch another constable.
1: I'm going to count to ten, and if you aren't gone by then, I shall shoot. One, two, three...
2: I, I don't know what to do, Dr. Jervis. The flight of the stairs are long and well-lighted. There's no way to rush him. Seven. Inspector... Don't let on you see him, but Thorndyke is upstairs. He took off his shoes and jacket so that he wouldn't make any noise. Wait for him to make the first move. Ten. Got him! You're under arrest, Mr. Percy Heldon, for the abduction of your nephew, Freddy Heldon. I found the boy. He's in the bedroom.
5: How did you find me? You were quite careless, Mr. Halden. You really shouldn't have forgotten that latchkey.
0: The Mysteries of Dr. John Thorndike. Written by R. Austin Freeman Adapted for radio by Heather Elliott In the cast were Dave Johnson as Dr. John Thorndike. Roy Nessel as Jervis Christine Youtse as Jane Hanshaw Joanna Bruno as Mabel Halding Tristan Johnson as Lucy Haldi, Joseph McGuire as The Inspector, C. Chamini as Percy Haldi, Valerie Leslie as The Blacksmith's Wife. I'm your announcer, Jason Lind. Edited by Jay Charles. Directed by Susan Herrick, Produced by Joseph C. McGuire. Recorded at KSVR Studios. This was a Radio Theater Project presentation.